months ago when Vicki asked me to speak today, I responded, can I speak on a different topic? I could speak on knowledge, patience, as a mother of three boys, one born in the 80s, one born in the 90s and 2000, I could speak about long suffering. <laughs> but faith? What could this wavering, exhausted mother have to say about faith? Thankfully, the Lord speaks to us through his word. And in Hebrews 11:2, it explains that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Chapter 11 of Hebrews reads like the hall of fame of faith. Each person was empowered by the God to perform a difficult task. The ancients were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. Abel sacrificed his best. Enoch walked with God and escaped death. Noah built an ark and provided a second chance for the world. Abraham offered his treasured son Isaac as a sacrifice, believing the Lord could save his son. Moses rejected the privilege of his adopted family and led the Israelites to freedom from slavery. The Israelites escaped Egypt and journeyed through the Red Sea. The Israelites marched, and the walls of Jericho fell. Through faith, these giants of faith conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Again and again, weakness was turned into strength. Each and every one of these forefathers of faith acted in confidence and assurance, despite their circumstances, frailties, and weaknesses. How will you and I be remembered? Will our lives be commended by God as walking by faith? Are we sacrificing, conquering, building, leading, fearlessly marching through the battles of life? Are we embracing the faith of our past and utilizing that faith to live a life that glorifies the Lord? Beloved, the same confidence and assurance of the ancients belongs to us as believers. The same faith that empowered the parents of Moses to place their precious three-month baby in the crocodile-infested waters of the Nile belongs to you. The same faith that enabled Abraham to willingly offer his only son to be sacrificed on a cold stone altar belongs to you. The same faith that strengthened David to face the giant Goliath with three smooth stones belongs to you. As believers, we've been given that gift of faith. Ephesians 2.8 reminds us, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from the Lord. This gift of faith is a present, a reward, an empowerment from the Most High God. All believers must ask how to possess this gift of faith, to live a life that glorifies God in all situations and encourages others to follow Christ. A gift necessitates possession by the giver and the receiver. A possession denotes ownership, protection, and guardianship. 
Let's look at the word possession from the perspective of the Lord. As a believer, you are now a possession of the Lord, belonging to him, receiving his protection and guardianship over your life. Does the Lord own all or part of your life? Do you live wholeheartedly for him? Or do you hide a part of your heart from the Lord, nursing your past hurts, fueling your fears, and delighting in sinful pursuits? Here's a little secret. We all do. We all do. There are times when we embrace past wounds and injustices so we don't have to forgive those who wounded us. How about that moment of delight which escapes from your heart when your child is selected for an honor over a child whose mother who insists on competing with you? Do you rush to the phone to share a juicy bit of gossip disguised as a prayer request for a mutual friend? These instances come easily to my mind because they've happened to me repeatedly. I can live blithely unaware of my sin until I read the word of God. The law and scripture reveal our sin to us, illuminating the distance of our actions from the desires of God's heart. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Beloved, the Lord knows the deep recesses of your heart. Give them up to him. Don't be burdened by sin. Don't be burdened by the hurt that you carry. He knows it already. Give it to him. Pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal these dark recesses in your heart where sin can reside. Submit yourself daily and completely every day so that sin will not flourish in your life. Enter the day as a living sacrifice, lifting your sin from the Lord before you lift your head from your pillow. A repentant heart and daily nourishment of God's word are appropriate responses to the ownership of God over your life. A repentant heart and a daily nourishment of God's word are appropriate responses to the ownership of God over your life. Conversely, let's look at treat our faith at we must treat our faith as a possession, protecting it and guarding it as a prized present. Does your gift of faith remain folded neatly in tissue paper sealed with a little gold seal? Because you're unsure of how to apply it in your life? Or did you delicately place this gift of faith in an airtight, secure display case to be taken out on special occasions? Or were you so excited to receive this gift of faith that you tore open the trappings of the wrapping paper to use it immediately? I must confess, I've had all three of those reactions in the journey of faith. Just as faith comes from hearing the word of God, which is Romans 10, 17, so too Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Remember Vicki's suggestion to keep an open Bible in the, on your kitchen counter. The bread of life awaits to nourish your soul and feed your faith. Feast to your fill on the nourishment of God's word 
to keep you far from sin. Your deliberate commitment to prayer and a disciplined study of God's word are essential to a fruitful faith. I know that's tough. I hear the groans, but I have three children under the age of two. But I have a child with special needs. But I have four children, one in high school, one in middle school, a toddler and a baby in diapers. But my husband works two jobs and I'm unable, is unable to help me. My parents are elderly and I'm their primary caregiver. But I have no family to help me. With these limitations, how can I have a disciplined approach to anything? As a believer, you've been given faith. But also, more than the ancients have been given, you've been given the counseling strength of the Holy Spirit to empower you to live out this gift of faith. Cling to 2 Corinthians 1.21-22. Now it is God who makes us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. As a believer in Christ, you've been given faith, the Holy Spirit, and the anointing of the Lord. Do you think the logistics of life are a match for a woman empowered by the Holy Spirit and anointed by the Most High God? You have everything you need to live triumphantly, not just somehow. Seize this power, embrace this confidence, and accept the anointing of the Lord to be the type of mother who raises her children intentionally. The Daily Walk Bible explains that the measure of a spiritual life is not in its ecstasies, but in its obedience. Be obedient to the Lord and feast on his word daily. Even though your days are long, your years as a mother are short. Although sometimes I'm really wondering if that's true. (laughs) Remember, Moses was in his mother's care for only the first five years of his life. Yet in this short time, his mother instilled in Moses a love for his people and fostered a heart to be used by God. Your time to effectively impact the lives of your children To live a God-honoring life is limited. There is no better time to make a commitment to prayer and daily Bible study than today. Life does not slow down. Problems do not disappear as your children get older, I assure you. You will not have more time in the future. And with these smartphones, I don't think they save time. I think they make you think that you have to do so much more in your time. Obstacles to studying God's word will always be in your life. The obstacles change appearance, but there's no season in your life where you will have more time. Everyone has 24 hours. How are you going to spend the 24 hours that God has given you? Commit to prayer and baby, but daily Bible study. Make the commitment. Decide in your heart that you will not let the day end without opening your Bible. doesn't matter how long. Sometimes you'll have more time. Just do it every day. It can be one verse. Go through the Psalms. Read one Psalm a day. Something you need to feed your soul. You're giving so much. The Lord will always be found when you seek him. 
I promise you, and I don't make promises, but I know that this one is true. Acknowledge and accept your circumstances. Remove the buts that we just said. But I have three children. But I have four children. Remove them from your life and turn those excuses into statements of life. Well, I have, I have to take care of my elderly parents. How am I going to share God's word? How am I going to be? Well, I can read with my mother as she's waiting for her hospital appointment. There's always a way. Don't let the logistics of life keep you from living gloriously. Accommodate them and determine solutions. Turn your stumbling blocks into stepping stones. And one of my favorite sayings to say to my children is, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Priscilla Shire provided several suggestions for young mothers with small children in her Bible study anointed to develop a God consciousness in your lives. And it should be up here. It's going to be up here. Choose three that you will commit to doing, and you will see a remarkable difference in your life. Um, I'll just go through them. Print a scripture verse or two in a large font and tape it on the bathroom mirror to meditate on while brushing those little teeth or washing those little hands. You could even use a dry erase marker on the mirror. It's probably better for some children than others. They might... (laughs) I can only see my boys. Oh, mommy, let's just write on the walls. But you know your children. Um, Pray breath prayers throughout the day. Small breath prayers that come to you. Play worship music. I'm a lover of hymns, and they've carried me through many a trying time. Or Christian radio during the day. And this is something I did as I was struggling. Pray over the laundry. You'd be surprised. I mean, it's always there. You've always got to do it. Oh, here are his socks that he's going to wear for his game. Lord, please don't let his foot twist from left to right. Let him be strong in the Lord. It's amazing how well your family will be covered, and it doesn't take that much longer. Um, Lift them up one piece of clothing at a time. Wake up before... This is never I could do. Wake up before the family. Go for a walk or jog, using this time to exercise the body and pray to the Lord. I'm not an early morning. I'm a late-at-night person. Every day, and this is important, visit the outdoors with your children, discussing the beauty of nature and reveals God's greatness to them. They are so stuck in front of a screen all the time, and it's addicting. I know I check my phone all the time. Get them outside. Share with them the the majesty, the beauty of the flowers. They need that time to ponder the great thoughts of life. Commit to that. Incorporate a quiet time of meditation, and it's not nap time, for the entire family during the day. And even the most rambunctious two-year-old can learn to be still and ponder the greatness of the Lord for five minutes. doesn't have to be longer. (laughs) Just five minutes. Let's stop and think about the Lord. Before getting out of bed every morning, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God and ask him specifically to make you aware of his presence throughout the day. This is one I've added to Priscilla's list. Make an ABC listing of the attributes of God or the blessings from God. And I, um, 
This is my listing of God that my precious friend Vicki Esler did in 1993. I love that it's written in her handwriting. And I've found, as I memorized it when my children were younger, it would take me, I could go through the alphabet nine times from the time I was at home to the time I had to go to school to deal with my misbehaving middle schooler. But it enabled me to be able to deal with administrators in a godly, repentant, humble way to help my child through their difficult times, through their battles that they had to deal with at school. Prepare for these difficult times. They will come. When you commit to incorporating a God consciousness in the busyness of your day, you are not only nurturing your faith, but also the faith of your children. You are building rooms in their hearts for the Lord to reside in in the future. In addition, you will have built a storehouse of eternal treasures that will strengthen you with the knowledge of the faithfulness of the Lord and the wisdom of the Lord when the trying times come. For Jesus warned us that we will have trouble in this world. When trouble comes knocking on your door, you will be prepared with the sword of his word and confidence of the faithfulness of the Lord. Faith comes from hearing scripture and is nurtured when we apply scripture to our lives and circumstances. The world has become hyper-vigilant to the physical dangers that surround children these days. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't protect our children. Please, please understand me. Um, it's an excessiveness that I'm concerned about. Um, look in the home of a family with small children, and the home will be devoid of any sharp edges, breakable objects, and every conceivable possibility for danger has been removed. And that's fine when they're a baby. But the problem with this, the parents have completely transformed their lives and living to accommodate their child, and they carry it through and develop a mindset that they now are responsible for removing any obstacles from their child's life, any heartache. Their, their job is as a protector. Expecting the world to accommodate their child in order for their child to be safe and happy. So instead of applying godly wisdom to difficult situations and providing coping skills to children to deal with the heartache of life, the parent intervenes at every conflict and heartache to demand accommodation for the child. And I'll give you an example. Tommy didn't make the fifth grade basketball team. Tommy's dad angrily calls the coach and asks him to be given another chance. Wouldn't Tommy be better served to have godly parents who helped him discern the lessons to be learned in life experience? If the parents had encouraged Tommy to go talk to your coach, ask him what you need to work on, ask him what you need, Tommy would learn what improvements he needed to accomplish to make the team next year. Plus, he would learn how to handle the disappointments of life. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have an employee who could handle criticism and disappointment and turn the situation into a learning experience. Or your eight-year-old daughter is going through the rejection and loneliness of third grade. Encourage her faith. Walk with her through this lonely time. 
sharing with her that God's love, God loves her with an everlasting love and will never reject her or leave her, and that this season is short in her life. She will remember this faith lesson when she's the young bride of a military husband who must move yearly, or when a high school sweetheart decides to break up on prom night. When my middle son, Robert, who Vicki said was always smiling, was six years old, he began to suffer from frightening nightmares. Awaking in the darkness of night, he would call for me, and my heart was breaking for this little boy crying, so frightened. I was a new Christian, so I shared with him how Jesus was with him everywhere and that he needn't be afraid, no matter what. As the comfort and truth of Jesus permeated his heart, he was able to rest comfortably and fall back asleep. Well, about a month after the nightmare subsided, Robert severely broke his right arm, the bones, like this, requiring two orthopedic doctors, two surgeries, and nine casts over three, over three months. As we were preparing for the first surgery, we discovered that Robert was allergic to the anxiety-reducing medication that they give children so they can separate from their parents and go into the operating room. He was allergic to that. So he would have to go into that cold hospital room alone and by himself. But my little toe-headed boy in that big hospital bed was calm and peaceful. Even the nurses remarked about his composure. When asked, Robert said, Mama, don't you know? Jesus is with me everywhere I go. God knew that Robert would severely break his arm. God knew that he was allergic to the medicine. God knew that Robert would need the confidence of hope and the assurance of Christ. So God sent the trial of nightmares to prepare Robert's heart to be confident and calm in the storms of life. Always seek the lesson in every obstacle. It's there. It's in preparation for your life. A nurtured faith enables a person to face fears, to overcome obstacles, and to weather the storms of life with courage, strength, and godly wisdom. Beloved sisters in Christ, You have been chosen by God to believe, and you've been chosen to be the mother of your children. You have the Holy Spirit to guide you and the anointing of the Lord to mother intentionally and deliberately. Be careful and focus to build the character of your child and prepare your child to stand firm when faced with heartache or disappointments. Do not be distracted by the time-stealing smartphone or sidetracked by the tears of your child. It's not easy. (laughs) Prepare your child's heart for faith by being faithful every day in every way. When you leave your child at the nursery or school, look them squarely in the face and inform them that you'll be leaving them for a few hours, but you will be back to pick them up. You're giving them a tremendous lesson in trust. My youngest went through great anxiety in third grade when his oldest, when his brothers went off to college. And he couldn't go to school without sobbing for hours. And this is a child that doesn't cry. 
And um, we sat for what seemed like an hour in the lobby of a school. Then we got a little closer. Then we got in the classroom. There are times when you have to just stop and be with them. But don't be a... Um, enable them to face their fears. Don't be a, an escape for them. Be a strength for them. Some children will need more hugs than others. But never sneak, and I'm talking about leaving them in the nursery, never sneak out of the room. Um, Because that distracted child will notice that their parent left without saying goodbye and will feel abandoned. I've been in the nursery many a time, and that little child whose parent left without saying goodbye keeps one eye on the door the entire time they're gone. Say goodbye. Give them that lesson of trust. I will be back. Commit to always being honest. Commit to always being faithful to your word. Note to mothers of teenagers, at some point, your teenager will ask about your past. (sighs) Bob Barnes advises the parents not to reveal past indiscretions, but to share that the Lord has redeemed the past, and as a Christian... To live a life to glorify God, you do not choose to use illegal drugs or to have sex out of sight of marriage or whatever the question is. And that's much more encouraging. And um, it's just more encouraging. <laughs> I'm not saying not be truthful, but because that's not, that is being truthful. Because the past does not define us as Christians. It's how we're choosing to live right now. Do not be casual with your promises. As I told you before, I don't make a promise um, unless I am absolutely sure that I can fulfill it. To promise your child that you will be the first car in the pickup line or the first mommy to pick up at the nursery, and they'll want you to make that. They'll want you to do that. And I've seen mothers in the pickup line at 1 o'clock to make sure that they're the first in line. But it's very hard to do. (laughs) When you make a promise like that, and it doesn't come through, I promise I'll take you to get ice cream after school, and something happens and you can't do it. Don't make those pie crust promises, which are easily made and easily broken. And don't allow your child to make them. I promise I'll be good if you let me have this toy. A promise is too precious to be carelessly made. Do not make these pie crust promises and don't allow your child to make them. For your child's heart will suffer from broken promises which create doubt and insecurity in her life. Protecting the sanctity of your word and the preciousness of promises will prepare your child to honor the promise of her wedding vows and believe wholeheartedly the promises of the Lord. Embrace the full power of your gift of faith Adhere to the good counsel of the Holy Spirit. Fulfill your anointing by the Lord. Faithfully study God's word and be a mighty prayer warrior, and your children will rise up and call you blessed. Thank you.